that you're here. Uh, welcome to the Lord's house. What a great day, huh? What a fantastic day. And I get to preach to you, and you get to listen. C- couldn't be any better than that, man. Hey, I'm, I'm continuing my sermon series on breaking free or busting loose, however you want to say it. And today I'm, I'm uh, on a really good subject, breaking free from debt. Breaking free from financial chains that are pulling you under the water. How's that sound? Okay, yeah, yeah. It's going to be better than you think. Uh, I've read over and over again that the most sensitive nerve that we have in the human body is that nerve that runs from our brain to our pocketbook, all right? And, uh, and I know that when a preacher gets up and says anything about money, it, uh, it makes a lot of people mad and other people are just turned off by it. But you need to understand, God said more about money and possessions than just about anything else in the Bible. And so we need to understand what God says about debt and how we can break free from it. So the question we start off with this morning is, why are so many people in debt? Okay. Why are so many people in debt? No matter how much money you make, you still are in debt. And the answer to that is, we spend more than we make. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. We spend more than we make. Our yearnings exceed our earnings. And here's one that's even better than that. When your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. I'm full of them today, all right? Hey, let's start with what the Word of God says. Here's what Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says out of the Living Bible. The wise man saves for the future, all right? The prudent person, the wise person saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. And I love this out of the Good News Translation. Here it is out of the Good News Translation. Stupid people... Spend their money as fast as they get it. You you know the expression, it's burning a hole in their pocket, all right? So foolish people, stupid people, they just spend their money as fast as they get it. You know this is true. Over half of Americans, the last number I saw was 54%. 54% of Americans spend more than they make. And as a result, we're getting deeper and deeper into debt. Not only as individuals and families, but our country gets deeper and deeper in debt. Not long ago, Time Magazine ran an article, a special report, Fighting the Urge to Splurge. And here's what they said. The failure to save is catching up with American consumers. This is a society that tends to judge people by the way they spend their money. And there is very little reward psychologically for people to save. Well, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, New Living Translation. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. And I would have to say a great big amen to that. Most of us are in debt not because of our needs... We are in debt because of our wants. I see it. I want it. I gotta, gotta have it. You want out of debt? You need to control your wants. Yet we are rarely satisfied with what we have 
And so we keep spending until we are in debt. And really the reason of that is because we have adopted or swallowed or bought into the philosophy of this world. And this world will tell you three things. Three misconceptions about having things. And I really believe these three lies are from the devil himself. The devil wants us to believe these three misconceptions. But you know what the Bible says? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So let's find out what these misconceptions are and what the Bible says about them. Are you ready, church? All right. Misconception number one. Having more things will make me more happy. Okay? And you got to say it that way. Having more things will make me more happy. We think that, don't we? We believe that. Yes, we do. There is no society who has ever lived on planet Earth or anywhere else on Earth right now that has more stuff than we have. I mean, all of us, we have way too much stuff. We have so much stuff, we filled our house with it, and then it goes into the garage, and we fill our garage, and so we put it in the attic, and then when the attic is filled, we go out and rent a storage building just to keep putting stuff in. Technology doesn't help because technology has produced more and more products advertising that you need this newest and latest model. And the only way you're going to truly be happy is if you have this latest gadget that's out that everybody else has. It's got 14 cameras in it. <laughs> and it does all this cool stuff. And you're really not going to be happy until you have this product. And you know what? That, that's the way. They, they've got to keep making new products to keep making more money. And they advertise it. And so if you are a senior in high school, you have seen, on average, 350,000 commercials. Now, that's alarming right there. And all of these commercials are saying, if you really want happiness, you need to buy this product. It doesn't work that way. You know, greed used to be very easy to control. I remember my, my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Uh, greed was easy for them to control. You know what? You run out of money, you stop spending. That's basically what happened. They ran out of money, they couldn't spend anymore. That's not the way it is in our culture today. Why? Because we have plastic money. And you can just keep on spending even when you don't have the money. You keep on going out and, and buying things that you really don't need. Remember that little sensitive nerve I was talking about? It's, it's, I'm pricking some of your nerves right now. It's like the little girl who, who told her boyfriend, teenage boyfriend, uh, she said, my mom is only happy when she's out spending money. And she goes out every day and buys stuff until last week when her credit cards were stolen. And so the boyfriend asked the, the girlfriend, well, did your dad report the thefts of the credit card? To which the girlfriend responded, no, the thieves are actually charging less than my mom. And so he just let it go. <laughs> Here's the deal. We think having more things will make us more happy. It doesn't work that way. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Those who love money will never have enough. Do you know that truth? That's the Bible. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think 
that wealth brings true happiness. No, the more you have, the more people who are going to come over to your house and help you spend it. Relatives will come out of the woodwork, right? No, let me tell you the truth. If, if, if things buy happiness, then the most happy people in the world should be the people who have the most things. But we know that is not true. Here's what Ecclesiastes 6 verse 9 says. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to be always wanting something else. I'm not going to go until everybody says amen. 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 That is the truth. You know what? Because things can't make you happy. Here's the second misconception that we live by. Having more things will make me more important as a status symbol. So we get the concept that I am what I own. That my valuables determine my value. If I only have a few things, that must mean that I am not very important. And if I want to be liked or respected or looked up to, then I must continue this constant acquisition of things, getting more and more. What we used to say when I was a kid, that's keeping up with the Joneses. We don't use that expression anymore because there's too many Joneses out there, I guess. I don't know. The, the problem is... That when we think things make us important, then we go out and buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. I thought that was better than that, guys. I mean, it really, isn't that the truth? All in order to get more. And it is absolutely amazing what people will do, how much they'll pay for a status symbol to prop up their self-worth. Maybe you've heard about Bill. Bill just bought a brand new BMW convertible, and he was so proud of it. He, he was up around uh, northwest Arkansas, driving around on some curvy roads up, up in the mountains, and he took a curve too fast, and his brand new BMW went off the side of the cliff and down into the ravine. Since the convertible was up, he was able to roll out before the car fell off the cliff. And he was standing there on, on the side of this cliff bemoaning, oh no, my brand new BMW, oh no, my brand new BMW. Another guy stopped to help him, and, and the guy said to Bill, Sir, don't you realize that you've severed your left arm? I mean, it's not there. And Bill looked down, and he said, Oh, no, not my new Rolex, too. <laughs> Let me tell you, all my stories this morning are corny, all right? They're absolutely, but you know what? We are corny when we believe this stuff. And when we think that more things will make us more important. Look, look what Luke chapter 12 verse 15 says. Jesus said this. Be on your guard against greed in any shape or form. For a man's real life in no way depends on the number of his possessions. So don't confuse your self-worth with your net worth. Your value is not based upon your valuables. And here's what Jesus said. Be on guard. Constantly be watching this. Why? Because it is a temptation that's going to sneak up on you every single day. You need to be asking yourself some tough questions. Am I expecting things to make me happy? Because things can't make you happy. 
Ask yourself the question, am I expecting things to make me feel important? That's not where you get self-worth. The, the third misconception that we bought into is this, having more things will make me more secure. If I get more things, then I will be more secure. Then I will secure the ultimate goal of financial independence. And maybe that's where we are. Do you ever daydream of, of some, you know, some rich relative you've never met dies and leaves you $5 million? You ever dream that? Anybody out there? You, you, all of a sudden, in, inheriting all this money and, and, and being relieved of financial responsibility and becoming financially independent. And you think, wouldn't that be great? I don't know, would it? I, I mean, I've got a lot of stuff, but I don't have that much compared to a lot of other people. But here's what I figured out. The more possessions that I have, the more I have to worry about. Are you with me? I told the first service, when Angie and I first got married in 1983, we were in our first ministry position at the Enid Freewell Baptist Church. I was the youth pastor. They were paying us $75 a week. I made more money as when I lived in Lubbock, Texas at Hester True Value Hardware than I made after I got a degree and went into ministry. It's crazy how that works. But anyway, we, we were living the good life. The, the people of the church were good to us. There was an old man in the church that felt sorry for us, and so he had a, a rent house. He let us live in that house rent-free. It, on Randolph Street, East Randolph Street in, in Enid, Oklahoma. And you know what? It was, it was an old house, but it was a cool house, neat house, and we were glad to have it. We didn't, we didn't buy a stick of furniture because we didn't have any money. So every piece of furniture we had in that house was hand-me-downs. Everything was given to us, either by family members or by people in the church. We had this little bitty tiny black and white TV that we watched. And, and I mean, we were so poor we didn't have money, uh, enough money to buy furniture for the living room. So I had this ping-pong table that we put up in the living room. I mean, are you with me? Did anybody remember back in the day? You know, I mean, it's just the way it was. We didn't have anything. Here's the deal. When we walked out the door, we didn't even have to lock the door. In fact, a lot of times we just left the door open, hoping a thief would come in, feel bad for us, and bring us something. Right? I mean, you know. So really, does your security come from financial independence? Here's what Proverbs 11:28 says. Those who depend on their wealth will fall like the leaves of autumn. I mean, we went straight from summer to winter, haven't we? And so our leaves fell off like that. And now your yard is full of these leaves. It's saying in this verse, you know what? Wealth can be like that. You can have it, but it can fall just like that. You can lose it just like that. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 18. I have it listed as verse 18, but it's really verse 11 if you go to check me here, okay? Proverbs 18, verse 11 out of the Living Bible. It says, the rich man thinks of his wealth as an impregnable defense. He thinks of it as a high wall of safety. And if that is what you're thinking, you know what? All you are is a dreamer. Why? Because you can lose everything overnight, if you're going to have security, you must put your security in something that ultimately cannot be taken away. And hang on to that thought because I'm coming back to it here in a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 says this, When we long to be rich, 
We are a prey to temptation. We get trapped. And let me tell you, that's what money will do. Money will trap you. We get trapped into all sorts of foolish and dangerous ambitions, which eventually will plunge us into what? Into ruin. We get trapped by money. Do you know how they catch monkeys on islands? I was so intrigued by this because I'm, I'm just intrigued by monkeys. I'd, I'd love to have a monkey, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, here's how, they, here's how they catch them. They get a coconut and they attach the coconut to a chain and then they stake the chain into the ground. And in the coconut, they cut a little bitty hole just big enough for a monkey to stick his hand into the coconut. And they will take a piece of candy and put it inside that coconut. And then the monkey comes along. I don't know if he sees it or smells it. But he'll stick his hand into that coconut and grab the piece of candy. But now he's clenching it with his fist. And he can't pull his hand out of that hole. And he won't let the candy go. That's how they catch monkeys. If you ever want to catch a monkey. I mean right there, that's the way you do it. You know what? It's teaching us a lesson And the lesson is this, sometimes we become possessed by our possessions. And instead of owning them, they own us. So here's the acid test. If there is something in your life that's very valuable and important to you, and God says to you, give it away, you give it away, and you refuse to obey God and give it away, then guess what? You don't own that thing. That thing owns you. You're a slave to your own possessions. And you know what? These things, these possessions do crazy things to people. You know that? Money can do crazy things to you. It's like the guy who who, uh, won the lottery and he phoned home and he said, Honey, I just won $5 million. Pack your bags. She said, for cold weather or hot weather. He said, I don't care just as long as you're gone by the time I get home. <laughs> they are corny, but they're good. Huh? Let me tell you, money does things to you. I've seen families ruined by wealth because all they want to do is get another buck It becomes more important to them than relationships. So we have these three misconceptions. The first one is, having more things will make me more happy. No, it doesn't. Number two, having more things will make me more important. No, it doesn't. Number three, having more things will make me more secure. No, it won't. So here's what we come to. How do you enjoy life more on less? How do you enjoy life more on less. How can you get out of debt, live within your means, and really enjoy life? Well, as we had three misconceptions, let me pull alongside of that what God says. The first misconception was, having more things will make me more happy. Here's what the Bible says. I find happiness when I help other people. Let me put it this way. Happiness is not found in things. Happiness is found in giving. It's not in getting, it's in getting. Happiness is not in things, it's not in possessions, it's not in pleasures, it's not in big bank accounts. The Bible says you will find real happiness when you start giving. How do I know that? Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul is talking to the elders of Ephesus, 
And as he talks to them, he talks about monetary things, and he quotes Jesus. Here is Paul quoting Jesus. He said, Jesus said, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. You know that verse by, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so it is. The people who don't know that verse are the people who have never tried that verse. Why? Because that is a universal principle that God has built into man. I've read several stories this past week of, of where this has actually happened. I read the story of this guy who came from a very poor neighborhood. He graduated high school from a very poor high school and then became a multimillionaire. And he spent money on all kinds of stuff, and it never brought him real happiness until one day he went back to his high school, and he spoke to the, in the auditorium to all the students, and he challenged them to go out and get a college degree. And here's what he told them. If you will go get a college degree, I'll pay for it. And literally, he paid for hundreds of kids to go to college. And what did he say about that? He said, I've received more happiness from the money that I've given away than from anything that I ever spent on myself. And you know what? We all know lots of people sitting in homes with beautiful possessions, but they are lonely and they are unhappy. Why? Because things cannot bring true happiness. It's a trap. The Bible says this in Matthew 5, 6. Jesus said, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Why? Because God will satisfy them fully. The key to satisfaction in life is not in possessions or in things or material gain. Satisfaction is not from what you have. Satisfaction comes from who you are and who you know. Being what God made you to be. And what did God make you to be? God made you to be like himself. And God is a giver. God is the greatest giver of all. And if you are searching for real happiness, you're not going to find it in stuff, in things, or in money. You find real happiness when you give. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The second misconception we learned about was having more things will make me more important. Mm, that's not true. Here's what the Bible says. I find myself worth in a relationship with God. I find self-worth in knowing God. Here's what God thinks about you. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 4. God says, God says to you, each one of you, God says, you are precious in my sight. Have you ever wondered what God thinks about you? How God really feels about you? That's it. God says, you are precious to me. Why would God say that about you? Well, because God loves you. You are unique to God. You are the only you God ever made. No one else has your same DNA. God made you unique. God made you special. You have a special plan in his kingdom. God loves you. He cares for you. And when I am insecure and don't feel good about me, when I'm feeling inferior, then I have to have 
status symbols to prop me up. I have to wear certain kinds of clothes, and I have to drive a certain kind of car, and I have to have the names of products on my shoes and on my shirt and on my glasses, because if those products are okay, then I must be okay. But when you really understand how much God loves you, and that you really matter to God, that you are significant to Him, that you're not here on earth by accident, that God put you here for a purpose, then all of a sudden you are released and you don't have to prove yourself with products. Status symbols fall by the way. Things that you thought make you feel good are really not there to make you feel good. Your self-worth is based upon what God says about you. Not from what you say about you or what anybody else says about you or even what the devil says about you. It's found in what God says about you. And dude, let me tell you, that, that kind of sets you free. That, that kind of releases you a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, your heavenly father feeds the birds of the air. God takes care of sparrows. He knows when a sparrow falls, he feeds the birds. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Well, to answer Jesus' question, you better believe we are. We are God's greatest creation. You matter to God. And if God is going to take care of sparrows and birds, he's going to take care of you. So you don't need all that stuff when you have God. Romans 5, 8, the proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Now, guys, let me tell you, the cross shows how important you are. Jesus thought you were worth dying for. Now, have you had anybody recently volunteer to die for you? Think in your mind, is there anybody who would even dare to die for me? Well, Jesus did. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. Jesus loves you. You are valuable to him. And when you start finding your happiness in helping others, and when you start finding your self-worth, that God made you for a purpose, and he loves me, and I am significant in his eyes, all of a sudden, I am set free from the expectation of other people. That's what freedom is. I don't have to worry about what other people think because I know God loves me. And my self-worth doesn't have anything to do with how much money I have. It doesn't have anything to do with how many possessions I own. My self-worth is in a relationship with the living God. Wow. Dude, that's freedom. Number three... The third misconception was having more things make me more secure. No. Here's the truth from the Bible. I find security in trusting Jesus Christ. Jesus is my security. Hebrews 13.5 out of the Good News Translation. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Now a lot of people take Bible verses and kind of twist them and and say that that money is the root of all evil and you don't need to have money. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, some of the most godly people in the Bible were wealthy people. So, So that's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible really says. It's the love of money. The love of money. Loving money is the root 
of all evil. So keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you, nor will I abandon you or forsake you. So here's what it comes down to. We are to love God and love other people and use the things God has given us. Okay? So we love God, we love people, we use things. Are you with me? When we start loving things, we're going to start using people. You get things reversed in your life. Money is to be used, not loved. People are to be loved, not used. And what does this verse say? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because here's what God has said. I will never leave you nor abandon you. So here's God's promise. Dude, I love you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I will provide your needs. You love me. You serve me. I'll take care of you. That's God's promise. It's found throughout the Bible. You love me. You honor me. You serve me. I will take care of you. Now, which would give you a greater sense of security? Having $1 million in the bank with your name on it, it's in your account, it's your money, a million bucks, or this promise from God, no matter what happens in your life, I'm going to take care of you. I will provide your needs. Which one of those brings you more security? The million bucks or the promise from God? Pausing for emphasis. I'm letting that sink in. Because you know, I know what the world would say. Oh, it's the million bucks, man. Give me the million bucks every time. I could, I could live high on the hog with a million bucks. I would find security in a million bucks. You know, think about that, though. Are you sure? What, what, what if America spirals into a gigantic depression? What if your money loses all of its value? What if we're bombed? Huh? Where's, where's that security now? I mean, it can be gone like that, dude. You can make one wrong investment with your money and lose it all. So, really, the more secure is the promise from God. Because you know what? No matter what happens, God's still on the throne, His promises are good. From amen to amen. And if God has promised to take care of us, you know what? He's going to take care of us. That's what God does. So you know what? We need to be trusting God. Our security comes in a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. So it comes down to this. Investing in God's retirement program. Have you, have you heard God's retirement program? It's pretty good. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21, Jesus said, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, Jesus is not prohibiting savings here. 
He's not saying don't save. No, what he says is don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That is, don't hoard personal indulgence. Don't keep on saving so that you can brag about how much you have and go out and spend on every little whim. At the end of life, the ultimate question that God is going to ask you is this. It's not how much do you have in your savings account. The real question is, how much have you given? Because what does Jesus say? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So how do we do that? How do you store up treasures in heaven? Well, let's think about that. What is allowed in heaven? What, what are you going to take to heaven with you? Are you going to take your bass boat to heaven? Or your pickup truck? Or those 79 pairs of shoes in your closet? Oh, that sensitive nerve right there. Huh? No, those things are not allowed in heaven. In fact, it is said that when Alexander the Great died, his last command was, bury my hands outside of the coffin. I want my hands sticking out of the coffin so that everyone will see I didn't take any of it with me. Because you know what? You're not going to take it with you. But what you can do is send it on ahead of you. Because the only thing that is going to be allowed in heaven are people. The souls of believers. So how do you store up treasures in heaven? Get this. How do you store up treasures in heaven? You make eternal investments. You give to the Lord. You give to the Lord's work. You want to know how to get out of debt? Real simple. Don't spend more than you make, and the stuff that you do have, give it to God. Release it to God. Become a giver. Give to other people. Give to the kingdom of God. Be investing in God's work. Just a couple of real quick illustrations of, of how this is fleshed out and how it works. You don't, you don't begrudge giving to Randall University. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to have Bob Thompson here, the new president of Randall University. And you know what? We are a church that gives to Randall. I encourage you to give to Randall. And you know what? You need to give freely. Why? Because we are making investments in the lives of young men and women who are choosing to serve God. We've got four young men right now who are out doing ministry. Three of them are pastoring churches, Mason and Kendall and Dave. They came from this church. They're part of us. Every morning, Sunday mornings, I send them a text say, hey, dude, we're praying for you today. Preach the word of God. Here's the deal. The fruit of their labor... The people they win to Christ, the, the, the difference that they're making in Ozark and Oklahoma City and Ada, Oklahoma, is a result of the investment that you've made in those guys' lives. We have a lot of missionaries come through Kavanaugh Church. And, you know, I've, I've, heard, I've heard the groanings out there. Preacher, we're having too many missionaries come. You're asking us to give too much. How can you ever give too much to missions? You know? One of my favorite old songs is that song that says, because you gave, here's what happened. A missionary came to your church. You didn't have much, but you gave it anyway. Here's the reality of it. Karen Delgado came to our church. She told her story. I said, when she came, I said, Karen, can you make it about 30 minutes? Well, an hour and a half later, she was still telling her story. But you know what? It was so good, it didn't matter to me. 
It's a great story. That, that girl loves God. And she wants to do God's will more than anything else. And, and you know what? It, it pricked our heart. And we gave her a huge love offering. I, I don't know the results of that. But maybe one day, maybe one day in heaven, years from now, somebody from Bulgaria is going to come up to you and say, thank you. Thank you. When Karen Delgado came to Kavanaugh Church on that Wednesday night, you freely gave. Maybe you didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. And it sent her to Bulgaria. And she shared with me the gospel of Christ. And I'm in heaven today because you gave. Dude, that's what it's about. Coming up soon, real soon, I'm going to be asking you to make a huge commitment financially so that we can build a new worship center and we worship area. Oh, boy. Remember that sensitive nerve. You know what? You ought to be praying right now, Lord, what can I give and how can I do it? How can I give the most I can give? Why? So that people can be saved, so that lives can be changed, so that we can be storing up treasures in heaven. Here in a minute, Brother Johnny's going to come in here and tell you about adopt a family. We do it every year. You know, this year it's big, bigger than ever. Johnny, you know Johnny, he's always bigger than ever. Let's do it bigger than we've ever done it. This year we're doing it bigger than ever. I think 183, 184 families we're bringing into this church and, and we're providing Christmas for all these kids. Thousands of people are going to be coming through here. Why? Because you felt the call from God. You're willing to make eternal investments. You're willing to treasure up investments in heaven. And you give. And lives are changed. It's that simple. You want out of debt? Quit spending on wants. Just buy what you need. Lay it all out before God, everything you have, and say, Lord, you know what? I know you blessed me with all this stuff, but it's not mine, it's yours. And so, Lord, whatever you want that you've given to me, I'm willing to give it back to you. You know where that starts? When you give yourself. That's where it starts. When you give yourself. Because God's a giver. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave his only begotten son to change your life. And if you want to be like God, you've got to give yourself back to him. And when you do, God does something that's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. He changes the way you think. And all of these sudden, all these things the world has taught you. More things make me more happy. More things make me more important. More things make me secure. All of a sudden, the scales drop away from your eyes and you see the falsehood of that. You see the lie that that really is. And it changes the way you think and it changes the way you live. So, this morning, would you give your life to Jesus? And if you've already given him your life, how about coming to the altar and just giving him everything else? Saying, Lord, it's yours. However you want me to live and whatever you want me to give, 